0: Happy Friday. Welcome into the program. It is Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. And we get right into it today as the Toronto Blue Jays fell again last night to their AL East division rival, the Baltimore Orioles. And as of this, Friday, August 25th, currently sit outside a playoff spot. We begin the program by joining live in progress... GM Ross Atkins holding a media availability with the Toronto media. What
1: did his last couple of weeks look like, well, yeah. he's here being assessed and what, what are the next steps for him?
0: Yeah. Glad that he's
1: back in Syracuse and, and, uh, on a baseball field again yesterday. I know he was glad to be there as well. So it's, uh, it was, it was just to, to make sure he was in the best possible physical place before he went back there, uh, taking the opportunity with our very, um, Thorough medical staff that here is here in Toronto to check that box before uh, he reported in in Buffalo, which ended up being Syracuse, and we're glad he's there.
2: Were you looking at anything specifically with him, with physically?
1: It it was really just being thorough to ensure he was in the best possible physical state.
2: Has he been
0: dealing with physical issues this year?
1: If you look back at the course of his career, every player deals with uh, you know, whether they are aches and pains, and I'm not referring to Alec specifically there, aches and pains, but um, <clears throat> any player is going to go through, even in the off season, and have hiccups and bumps, and we just wanted to make sure there was nothing that was um, lingering. So has he been pitching through injuries this year? Not to my knowledge. No, we do not believe that he was pitching through. I, well, I'm, our medical staff would have told us if so. So it sounds like you guys are try- trying to figure out kind of still what's going on. Yeah. with them. You know, I, I don't think I've seen a pause like this before someone's demoted. I mean, just how unique was that? Yeah, I think so. We made sure with Major League Baseball that they were okay with it. I think his trajectory and, um, you know, his career trajectory has been unique. And um, this pause after him being optioned the first time seemed to make some sense and to make sure we were thorough with that assessment.
3: Did he need a physical or mental break as well or like it just seems like two weeks is a pretty long time?
1: I mean, no, you'd have to ask him on the not to our knowledge that he needed either of those two things. It was more about just making sure we were very thorough and, and mutually working through it.
0: So did this come at his request or your your request? Again,
1: it was a mutual uh, process that we worked through.
0: Russ with Manoa going into the off season though, how you value him obviously. Impact your plans quite a bit like, where do you view him going to next year beyond or even September as a potential
1: very strong I, you know I feel like we were seeing a lot of positive things the, the things that we've talked a lot about were uh, you know the, the command the strike throwing the swing and miss and we saw really positive trends and um, you know I think there's a lot of scenarios that Alec could have still been here on this team and may still be here at some point this year but there's so many positives over the course of his career, and we can still see um, plenty of reason to believe that he can be a force again. Is he starter number six for
3: you guys if you need somebody right
1: now? I mean, not today, given the time off, but hopefully he returns to that in the coming weeks.
3: Ross, this has obviously been a very challenging year for him. How do you think he's kind of dealt with it on and off the field?
1: I've I've been blown away with how he's handled on the field. Um, you know, he he went from Cy Young candidate and in the in the voting to, you know, having a, a tough run and having some highlights as well. Uh, obviously, the Detroit start after his return, the Boston start. There were others, Kansas City early. Um, really, you know, seeing high, plenty of highlights and reason to believe that. There, That trend could turn, um, and then we had five other starters pitch really well, and our bullpen uh, has gotten stronger and stronger. And um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think on the field handle it very well. And I, you know, I, I, can, you know, I, I know from having been in this game for almost thirty years now, and the professional level that there's no player that goes home. And when they're struggling, and is that complete peace? It's like anything else. That is very difficult for any elite performer, any elite athlete. But all in all, we feel like he's handled it exceptionally well.
2: Ross, well, just going back to the offense, um, is there, I know you said you don't see any passing or anything, but is there anything else that you can point to
1: that would lead to less run scoring than you guys anticipated? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. As you look at swing decisions, you look at strikeouts and walks and the contact, contact quality that I mentioned where it's not turning into as many runs as you would hope or that it, that would suggest. Um, you know, the ball's not going over the fence as much as it does for some of our hitters, and that happens. Um, you know, I, I what we focus on and what we look at is the work, the pregame, and I'm entirely focused on how I can help and how I can help not just our hitting coaches, but our advanced scouting staff get the best possible information in front of our hitters to ensure that they have every possible angle to be the best they can be. I know like runners in scoring position hitting, it's been better this month, mm-hmm. but overall it's been, is that, can that get in guys heads? Like is, have you seen that at all? I, I definitely a better question for the hitters and asking them that. I don't see it, you know. I, you know, but it is such a, f- it is such a fine motor skill and such a confidence um, skill that, you know, that is certainly possible. But we just don't see that,
0: Ross. When you look at some of those expected numbers uh, that haven't quite matched the reality to this point in the year, do you point to adjustments that need to be made at this point? Uh, it's certainly a different equation than in April when numbers don't match up. I think.
1: No, I, it, it's not like we're not seeing with uh, our team for sure that we need to make this one adjustment. There are times where um, you know, our team is perceived as and not just perceived as is very aggressive, but so much of that is how we're built. We are built to hit good pitching and make contact, and we are doing that. It's just not turning into the runs and the, the damage or balls going over the fence as much as it has in the past. Uh, I still feel like there's a chance that it can.
0: How is the, the power um, outputs lined up with what you expected uh, based on the roster construction?
1: Yeah, that's what I was alluding to, that it hasn't happened as much. But the, you know, then we, we look, you know, okay, are guys in really strong positions? What is their routine? How is, it differ- how is it different from years past? What is their game planning preparation? How are they being tacked? Is it differently week-to-week, month-to-month, day-to-day? bullpen to starter, and we see the work that goes into it and feel very good about what's ahead. Thanks, Ross.
0: Thank you. Thank Ross. There you go. That is Blue Jays general manager Ross Atkins holding a media availability in Toronto. Jays falling last night to the Baltimore Orioles. Just a disastrous record for the Jays against their AL East opponent. That is 10 wins in 13 games for Baltimore against Toronto. The Orioles outscoring the Jays by a margin of 75-40. to 40. Telling you what the, who the better team was pretty much all season long. Jays slugging percentage 366 against the Orioles. Average with runners in scoring position. A lowly... 148. As we uh, continue the Blue Jays talk right now, we'll, uh, we heard from Ross Atkins, obviously not happy with how things went last night for his team. John Schneider, part of that group who uh, was frustrated and trying to get some sort of emotion out of his team, who uh, a team that really needs to start showing results as soon as possible. Here's John Schneider post-game following the Jays loss to the Orioles.
2: Yeah, he was really, really good uh, first three and um, just a couple four-seamers, I think, that, you know, weren't uh, exactly where he wanted him for the, the homer to Santander and, uh, and, you know, really good at bat by Mullins. I don't know how many pitches that was, but um, I think it was just kind of four-seamers that missed his spots um, and kind of, you know, some hard contact after that. But he was really good early and, um, you know, a couple multiple run homers, you know, it's, uh, it's a tough deficit to come out of. I mean, three and three road trip. You kind of come out of it that way, and you know, definitely had our chances. You know, you. I think other than the inning we loaded the bases, you know, you get two. You definitely want multiple runs there. You get two, and um, you know, Georgie kind of just misses one. Um, yeah, I think that the after the first game, it's you got to just um, you know you got to stay consistent with the approach, right? It seems like the harder they throw, the better we do. Um, looking at Kramer and um, and Gibson tonight compared to Rodriguez, so. Uh, something we gotta we gotta clean up and and stay uh, stay convicted to an approach going forward. As a season series. They played really well against. You yeah, they played well against a lot of teams. Yeah. But what, what do you take away from what you saw from that team this year? Yeah, they're real. They're a good team. Um, they can beat you in a lot of different ways. They got a lock down eight nine um, in the bullpen, and you got to get to their starters. And I think when you don't do that, it makes it really tough. Um, their lineup's good. They got speed. They can match up. Um, they're they're having a good year for a reason. They're they can they can do a lot of things. And then for you. I you know you guys as you move ahead here. The schedule um, is at least sub 500 teams. I know they're major league teams, but mm-hmm. what do you make of that opportunity in front of you guys to potentially gain some of that? Strength? Yeah, we got to go home ready to win. You know, starting tomorrow, we got to, um, you know, be aggressive. We got to be on the attack. We got to have good at bats. You know, our pitching has been really good, I think, um, but it's just putting everything together. You know, we got to uh, limit outs in the bases. We got to make the plays and we got to have we got to have consistent at bats and um, Yeah, it's it's. There's no time to wait. There's no time to wait at all. We got to do
0: it right, right now. To the point, John Schneider. We got to get do it right now. And yes, that question from the reporter there talking about the Jays' upcoming schedule starting tonight against Cleveland. The Jays getting a chance for a couple series against teams below 500. Cleveland coming into tonight's action, eight games below the 500 mark. They're 60 and 68, but still present a, a pretty formidable pitcher. Tanner Bibby gets the start. He's 9 and 3 on the year with a 3.01 ERA. Jays simply have to find a way to win as we look at the wild card race. Heading into tonight's action, Jays now a full game and a half behind Houston and Seattle for that final wild card spot in the AL. So. Uh, A chance for them to potentially now have two teams to catch and uh, don't look now, but the Red Sox at three and a half games back, they've won a couple, including uh, a massive win Thursday night against those Astros. 17 to one was the final. Don't know that Boston's a realistic threat here, but they're only two back with the Jays who continue to scuffle along in this playoff race. And I think Ross Atkins, obviously, when we heard from him to start the program. You're going to present the United front. You're not going to show a lot of panic, but hear from a lot of Blue Jays fans that just feel like, you know, your, your 70 wins on the season, 58 losses, well over the 100 game mark. We kind of feel like we know what this Jays team is. The team with really good pitching, really good defense, but an offense that just isn't there consistently enough for them to be a great team. And that's sort of a thought. That was echoed by John Morosi. He joined uh, Matt Rose and George Russick on the big show earlier this morning. And, you know, kind of echoing the thought that we've heard from a lot of Jays fans. Could they do it? Sure. But do you have faith this team is going to turn it around in these last couple series? we got to kind of wait and see. Here's what John Morosi had to say from MLB Network on the Jays a little earlier today.
4: Can they? Sure. Will they, based on what we've we've seen? uh, I am a little dubious about that. Uh, th- this is a team, to your point, the pitching has been one of the best in baseball since the All Star break, and really all season long. But we keep waiting for this yep. team to show that they're special offensively, and they consistently underwhelm. In this series, they win the opener against Baltimore. Optimism is high. Boom, they lose two in a row. They are not able to consistently hit and beat good pitching in high-profile series against quality teams period they're not able to do it look at their record in the division against the the toughest divisional competition that we've got in baseball look at their record in the american league east they are a they're a good team that is able to beat mediocre pitching and poor pitching on a consistent basis and is often not able to beat really good pitching because it seems to me that their offensive plan does not work well against guys that command the ball exceptionally well. That was the case the last couple of days. It's not, they're not getting overwhelmed with 99 and 100. They, they cannot hit guys that command. And at the end of the day, in, in October, you're going to see guys who have both stuff and command. So <laughs> can they get there? Sure they can because you've got teams like Texas that have really struggled Houston is in a bad run of form as well. The Mariners might end up actually winning the division. But my degree of confidence in the Jays eventually getting to where we thought they should be, which is the ALCS and beyond, is actually quite low. Because uh, in a in a short series, in a high-pressure series, I'm not seeing the likes of, of Laddie uh, and even Chapman or Springer um, answer the bell uh, in terms of being able to really – drive-in key runs against, against tough pitching. So um, the pitching that they've got is great and will keep them in the conversation. I, I see almost no way in which they fall out of this thing before the end of the, of the month, because the end of uh, September, I mean, because the, the, the pitching will allow them to keep winning ballgames. But when you talk about winning series against quality teams, you've got to hit the ball in the big moments, and they have not shown an ability to do that.
0: John Morosi, MLB Network, that full interview available wherever you get your podcast, the big show with Ruskin Rose, Monday to Friday on your mornings. You're on Sports at 960. I really don't disagree with anything John said there. It's a good team. It's not a great team. And I think everybody, and not just Blue Jays fans, not just Blue Jays media, but national media and national observers of this team saw the potential for this team to be great. And that's when we had questions about this team's pitching. Remember the beginning of the year, we weren't talking about this team as a powerhouse pitching team. There were worries about Kikuchi. There were worries about Barrios, Manoa has fallen off the face of the earth. As you heard all those questions about him with Ross Atkins earlier, they don't even really know where he fits in right now. And they still have one of the best rotations one of the best bullpens in the major league. All of those questions have been answered and more. And the one thing we thought we knew about this team, which was they were going to be good offensively, no matter what the pitching was, they're going to be good offensively. It's flipped it on its head. And how, does that change in the last, what, four weeks of the season? I don't, at, at this point of the year, you are what you are. I don't know that the approach changes. I don't know there's anything the Jays, that uh, uh, John Schneider or the hitting coach or anybody can do to, to change how the Jays approach this. John said it right there. They struggle against pitchers with good command. Elevated fastballs. A lot of people struggle with those in Major League Baseball, but especially the Blue Jays. Runners in scoring position. Massive problem for all, all the season that's been so far. How do you change that with four weeks in the season? They've got they've got veteran guys. They've got great players. Bo has been great all year long. Vladdy hasn't lived up to expectations. George Springer hasn't lived up to expectations. Matt Chapman certainly hasn't lived up to expectations offensively. So if those guys don't make a considerable change down the stretch here, then I think we know what the blue Jays are at this point. And unfortunately it's probably the, playoffs are certainly, you're a game and a half back playoffs are going to be a conversation unless they go on a massive losing streak are going to be a conversation that we have for the remainder of the season. But when they, if they get to the playoffs, are we talking about a team that simply repeats what we saw against Seattle last year? in a wild card series it kind of feels like that's where we're heading and then the other side of the coin is what if this team doesn't make the playoffs does Ross Atkins survive that does John Schneider survive that kind of massive disappointment for this Jays team because there has to be there's going to be player change anyways Matt Chapman's not coming back Whit Merrifield might be back There's going to be player turnover just based on the money that some guys need to be paid. But as far as the guys that make the decisions and are involved in the day-to-day, can we go from this team talked about in World Series expectations at the beginning of the year to missing the playoffs and not have major change? I don't think so. George Springer gets a year older. Like we mentioned, you lose some of the cost affordability you have with a guy like Matt Chapman and you get closer and closer to those years where you're potentially playing uh, paying, you know, Bo Shett and Vladimir Grail jr. Uh, a whole lot of money. And who knows about the Vlad situation now, given the struggles he's had this year. Uh, if you want to watch the game tonight, of course it's going to be on the Sportsnet television network for you, or you can listen to it right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan of five Oh seven first pitch from Toronto. Jays are back in TO. Oh, they're 70 58, taking on the 60 and 68 Cleveland Guardians. I mentioned Tanner Bibby gets the start for Cleveland, 9 and 3 with a 3.01 ERA. Chris Bassett goes for the Jays. He's 12 and 6 in 26 games played this year. 143 strikeouts to go with a 3.92 ERA. Once again, 507 first pitch. Catch all the action right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Focus in on the Calgary Stampeders. It's a game day. Stamps in Toronto getting set to take on the Argos. Patrick Dumont's got your Stamps report as we get you set for the Stampeders and the Argos next here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Hour 1 rolls on on this Friday afternoon. Welcome back to Sportsnet today. We're live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios alongside my outstanding producers Cam and Taylor this afternoon. Is a Calgary Stampeders game day after week 12 of the CFL season kicked off last night with a Winnipeg Blue Bombers dismantling of the Montreal Alouettes. It's now the Stamps and the Argos taking the spotlight on Friday Night Football. 5.30 kickoff from BMO Field. 3-7 seven Stampeders, 7-1 seven Toronto Argonauts to get you set for tonight's matchup. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, welcoming the producer of Rustic and Rose on the big show and one of our Stampeders reporters here on Sportsnet 960, it's Duma. Dumas. Paddy, happy Friday, pal. How are you?
3: Happy Friday, Logo. I'm good. How are
0: you? I'm doing all right, pal. Uh, excited for this one. It's a big test for the Calgary Stampeders. They were the team that ended Toronto's undefeated streak earlier this month. We now flip the script and head to Toronto for a big game for the team. Did it have a big game feel this week for the Stampeders of practice?
3: Yeah, a little bit. Like, there is uh, that urgency. It's time to go now. We're, we're in the the second half of the year. You look at yourself in the standings. You're now two games back of Saskatchewan for that third playoff spot in the West. Sure, you're tied with Ottawa and Hamilton for that, that crossover. But that's not the goal right now. Dave has made it uh, – Dave Dickens has made it a big key point that they're not just here to – to win games, but they're here to win the whole thing, and it starts this week. Uh, Calgary's bringing a, a really great record. I believe they're fourteen and one in their last fifteen games against the Argonauts, dating back to twenty fourteen. So uh, it's go time right now for the uh, for the Stampeders, and uh, it's it's going to have to be back on this defense, who's been really consistent all year. Like as much as the the rotation has gone through the D line, the secondary, it's been the most solid unit of the three, and uh, they're going to be have to be relied on tonight, and they. Because we can't expect Chad Kelly to be going out at halftime.
0: No, that was definitely the big storyline last time. A big mistake from the Toronto Argonauts on special teams. And uh, obviously you mentioned Chad Kelly not playing a full game. Can't uh, rely on those sort of things for the Calgary Stampeders heading into this big game. Uh, We've talked probably too much for Dave Dickinson's liking, Patty, uh, about the depth chart week in, week out for the Calgary Stampeders. We're going to have to do it again uh, for tonight as we look at this lineup and see Starting left tackle Bryce Bell is out. Uh, we have a number of the offensive changes out again. Kadeem Carey's out. Tommy Lee Lewis is out. Uh, and Trey Odom's Dukes is out as well. Uh, start with uh, maybe with Bell there. That offensive line's been up and down this year. And we've talked about Jake Mayer needing more time in the pocket. While uh, losing your left tackle is never going to help that.
3: Yeah, I know. And this is the second time that Bryce has uh, found himself injured. And this time it uh, it's, it's, doesn't look good. He's found himself on the six-game injured list now. So uh, back in steps uh, Deontay Demery, uh, who filled in all rights, I guess, for his first action of CFL. But, but he isn't Bryce Bell, and that's for sure. So that's going to be a big, big, uh, big, big thing going forward. Because I know Jake was talking about staying, thinking, having that same five in front of him was huge. Uh, but it's it has to be next man up. And at least you're going to a guy that you know a little bit in Demery uh, to help out at the left tackle spot. Uh, really, I mean, Kadeem Carey, I mean, the, this guy just can't catch a break, it seems like he was sick to start the week. Then a quad popped up. And uh, well, he was limited there on Wednesday, They it was a shorter week. So I don't know if there's too much concern going forward with Kadeem Carey. But, I mean, that's a guy that you obviously want uh, a lot more from uh, going forward. Tommy Lee Lewis, I mean, just as he was starting to to break out and we, we keep talking like this is going to be the game he breaks one. This is the game he's going to break one. And almost almost 300 total yards off of just from him there against Winnipeg between the punt return and kick return game. And then he had the 140-yard the catch. But uh, it's tough right now with, with the injuries, especially with those three players that have been – been so key uh, over the last few weeks, and then with Trey Adams Duke, it's an interesting one. He's he finding himself on the practice roster right now because, I mean, I, if you ask Trey, he's he's been disappointed probably with how he's been playing this this year. Yeah, he leads the league in in targets, but uh, I believe he has like thirty five catches to those targets, so there's a big discrepancy there. So you want to see more from Trey Adams Duke's going forward, but. Right now, this is the group that's going forward. I know Jake's talked about, you know, building that uh, chemistry with with Mark and Michelle and Marquis Amble's up a lot this week. So those guys are going to be key tonight.
0: If we do want to talk on the good, ni- uh, good news on the offensive side of things, it is uh, the return of Cole Tucker to the lineup. Uh, he's mm-hmm. been out the last couple of weeks, and oh, look, I thought he's done some good things adjusting to the CFL game. Obviously, taking its time, but anytime you get somebody like him back in your lineup, good for the Stampeders.
3: Yeah, I mean Cole. Like he, he got the slow start here in Calgary because uh, he found himself in Vikings uh, mini camp. Uh, so he he got slow out of the start of the gate here uh, in training camp, but worked himself in. He, he's been key in 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 practice. We'd like to see him more. He's earning the start tonight at at the field side half or field side slapback, I should say. So uh, this is a Canadian guy. I think that uh, maybe maybe you, you expect a little bit more of him, but he's been dealing with that injury. So good to get him back. Uh, I mean, uh, among the rookie receivers they had, I mean, Clark Barnes was—I'm pretty sure—on his way to at least be a finalist for the for the for the rookie of the year out of the out of the West. So uh, it's gonna be tough to losing him, but I'm excited to see what Colt Tucker can bring for sure. It's a it's a young guy that I think the Stamps obviously have a lot of a lot of faith in because they took him in the first round. But and this guy's got the talent, so maybe tonight he can build some chemistry with Jake.
0: What is Dave Dickinson and uh, what have you heard from Dave Dickinson and, and Jake Mayer specifically Patty over the week as to how they're trying to get this offense back on track?
3: You know what? It's trying to find that right balance, uh, the right recipe. They, they had the good running game there against, uh, against Toronto in that first meeting uh, where Dedrick Mills, he had for what, 27 carries for 137 yards. And, and that was the game where Jake Mayer was super efficient. Maybe he didn't, didn 't stretch the field as much as you'd like to see, but it's just trying to find that 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 balance in this in this offense and they 've shown little bits and pieces of it throughout they're just it's got to come all together and I think just sticking sticking to it, it I, I believe it's still a strong group dave's been preaching the faith all All during this time. And and I I think, you know, like tonight, it's a good challenge, of course. Like Toronto is obviously like the one loss is to Calgary, but this is a team that is coming off a bye. So they've had a week to prepare. So you want to see all things working offensively, just balanced, like from the run game to the pass game, because that's just how it's going to be. I think how Calgary is going to dig themselves out of this is they they can't rely on one side or the other because that's what's gotten them into trouble so far.
0: Defensively, uh good news is not a lot of changes. That's a positive description mm-hmm. playing pretty well the last couple of weeks, but kind of victimized by the offense I feel a few times Patty, especially going back to that BC game when the Stamps aren't able to maintain any sort of offensive drives or any time of time of possession, I find it really stretches this defense and asks them to do a lot more than they usually have to. I imagine that's got to be a, a a big thing for the Stamps heading into this game tonight is you can't let uh, the defense be worn out by Chad Kelly. They're going to need to be fresh to take on the Argos.
3: Well, that's exactly it. Like, like this will be relying on that, that offense to put together some solid drives. And Dave talked about it, like, Anytime they got a big play, it was nothing, and then selling for three and, and putting your defense into some tough positions. Like last week, they did a bang up job against Winnipeg. Sure, the Bombers had had their backup in the in Drew Brown, but the defense was, it did such a great job. And and this was a stat that I I, I, I kind of was surprised to see this this year. Uh, the Stamps actually lead the league in sacks right now with 32. So so that's like despite the injury to James Vodders, they've been they've been getting the sacks. Maybe not so much from the defensive line. Yeah, Titus Wall has been contributing. they begin a lot from the from the, extra, from the second level uh, in the sack game. So, so I guess that's a good sticking point. But you're right. Like the offense needs to put them in better situations. Like that BC game, they had the drop from uh, from Luther Hakunavanu that could have made them uh, get the score early. But then you get behind 17 nothing early, and against that team, they're going to grind you and they're going to they're going to go up and down the field. And that's what similar what Toronto's done. Like it's been a receiver by committee, but it's a, it's such a good veteran group. Like DeVaris Daniels last time. He at the field he had three touchdowns over 100 yards and this is a former stampeder of course so those guys there's a lot of of course we talked about it the last time these teams played there's a lot of bad blood on each side not so much bad blood but those guys that that know one another and I think that that, like Calgary really wants to get one over tonight and they have to like this this you know I hate saying must wins but this might be the closest thing to a must win because we talked about this month of August the three opponents you were going to play Winnipeg you're going to play BC. You're going to play Toronto twice. If you can get two and two out of August, I think you're going to be all right. I think you did yourself a good job because you know. And then you got you setting yourself up for that Edmonton home and home, which who knows what the heck the Elks are going to bring. So uh, tonight is so key and and help that offense putting the defense into good position. uh, will be going. We'll go so far and then getting a win tonight.
0: I, I guess the one change we should talk about on the defensive side of things last week he was. Pressured, uh, put into the lineup uh, with a late injury. To Jonathan Moxie, Shaq Richardson is uh, at the boundary halfback spot, I believe, this week yeah. and slated to start for the Calgary Stampeders in a full-time role. Correct? Yeah, he's uh, he's a field side half this week. Field side, so, yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. All good, all good. Yeah, but he he came in, he blocked a punt last week, like. He's a guy that like Dave talked about. We needed guys that that knew knew know the Canadian game, and, and it helps when you know the system a little bit too. And and that's what Shaquille Richardson did. So I thought he did a pretty good job against the Winnipeg receivers. I think the whole secondary, the whole last week, did a pretty bang up job against that against that Bombers receiving core, which I think I think across the league might be the best. So and again tonight they're going to have to be like keying in, like they're getting Demetri Coxy back. So that's a guy that they have to key in on. And it's just, it is, it's a, it's a receiver by committee group there in Toronto. It's kind of like, you kind of see what you hear in Calgary, but it's working right now a little bit with Chad Kelly. So uh, that, that secondary, uh, as much as, you want to. They, what I do want to see from that secondary is they need to get the takeaway. Uh, they haven't been the greatest at getting the, the interception from that group, so you want to see maybe a takeaway getting, and that will help with the pressure. You get Chad Kelly in space, you get him off kilter a little bit, and you throw some, throw some, get some bad balls. So that secondary needs to be key tonight.
0: Uh, I know you chatted with our pal Justin Dunn from Three Down Nation a little bit earlier on this Friday. What's sort of the the outside observer's opinion on this Calgary Stampeders team, uh, Patty? Because it really feels like. There's the top tier of teams in the CFL, and we know who they are. It's Toronto, Winnipeg, BC. But where's a guy like Justin Dunn come down on what he's seen from the Stampeders this year?
3: I think he's seeing what what the, what the rest of us are seeing, and it starts with the quarterback play. It's been it's been good, it's been bad, it's been mad. It, Jake Mayer is about to make his 20th consecutive start, which is which is a pretty big number because it hasn't been done since Bo Levi Mitchell did it between 2018 and 19. So we're at the point where Jake Mayer is coming out of that okay well he's not a backup anymore he's not a, he's not a young guy he knows this game he's had a, has a full season technically under his belt now so I think you're he, waiting to see more and I think uh well obviously Calgary's been the quarterback play hasn't been an issue here over the last really 17 18 years it's been you know the the, the starter's been great the backups has been great so there maybe is a little bit worrisome it's like okay is Jake Mayer the guy right now so I think, and then obviously, like with Kadim Carey's injury, that's been a been a big part too. So, I don't know if the expectations on the outside were maybe. I, I think they were probably fair to be this team could float around 9, 10 wins. I think that's that's probably a fair expectation for a group that was heading in uh, with a new quarterback. But I, I'm pretty sure it's just yeah, it's it's really like what's going on with the quarterback position, and, and if they got any sort of consistency out of that group. Who knows where this team could be? So I think that's, that's really what Justin was getting at, too, this morning.
0: What Even just from your opinion and being around the team, it, it certainly doesn't seem from everything that we've heard from Dave Dickinson or even from guys like Justin Duncan, John Hodge, who, who keep an ear on the insider side of things in the CFL, that the Stamps have any expectation, even if he continues to struggle, at least at this point, Patty, to turn away from Jake Mayer. Is that the same sense that you get?
3: Yeah, I have no no uh, no belief that they're they're ready to turn away from from Jake Mayer. Mainly because like, a you don't you don't know who you're going to be turning to. You got guys that are, are fairly inexperienced, especially like I mean, Tommy Stevens. Shore can can probably carry it through through a game if needed, but uh, he, he's limited in the passing game. And you got two really raw CFL rookies in Logan Bonner and Chris Reynolds who are still learning the game. I think I think Logan Bonner's a guy that down the line has shown that he could be a starter in this league. Uh, I think, you know, Dave talked about like a rotation with that third string this year, this year, this year lately, but really it's been Logan Bonner the last three weeks as Chris Reynolds has been been on the practice roster. So really there's no other option right now. And I think like with Dave and it's such, it's, it's there's a lot of quarterbacks in that organization. And I think it, it being patient is so key. And I know it's, it's tough for stamp Peter fans to take right now because this is really uncharted territory because it's 2000 was the last time they they had a, this poor of a start. They were two and eleven uh, in two thousand four. So three and seven. Well, yeah, well, well, it's a little bit better, but it's still it's uncharted territory for for new Stampeder fans. But it, it, right now, I think right now you just got to stay with with Jake Mayer. Of course, Malik Henry's injury hurt, and and just the injuries in general. Like it's an easy excuse. But Jake was given partially guaranteed money, and I know I think if, if Calgary had like a Trey Ford situation, if they had a backup that was it was just knocking on the door like they had in Edmonton where fans were okay, well we gotta we gotta move on for Taylor Cornelius, it would be more of an option. But right now it it's just such an inexperienced group behind Jake Mayer.
0: Keys to victory tonight, Patty, as we uh, get set for this one. What needs to happen if the Stan Peters uh walked out of Toronto with a victory?
3: Well, you know what? Like like J- Dave talked about it. Like it, it's a, it's a, gonna be a weird atmosphere tonight. Like they, they're staying on the on the exhibition grounds there. They got the CNE going, so is blocking out those distractions, so I'm sure the crowd at BMO is going to be a little bit more fired up as as, uh, as the fair is going on the CNE, and so taking the crowd out might be that's a weird thing. Like it's Toronto, they don't they don't have much of a hometown a home field advantage, but it, their attendance has been up. It, it's an excited group there in Toronto, so taking them out of the, out of the game early with with consider like Diedrich Mills went for 137 and 27 carries. if that's what you have to do tonight to beat the, the Toronto Argonauts you have to play rough and tumble boring football and so be it because right now it's just about getting a win and any way you can do that it's going to be key and then obviously in, in any battle it's these quarterbacks, maybe Chad Kelly's not as not as mobile as a Vernon Adams or or whatnot, but he can still move. So getting him off kilter and and, and getting in his face, getting him pressured, because they've had a week to get ready for you guys. And I think you know Ryan Dinwiddie, Corey Mace, they respect that group a lot here in Calgary. So they'll be getting those boys ready to be prepared for for whatever Dave Dickinson and the, and the Calgary Stampeders throw at them tonight.
0: Uh, just a couple more for you, Patty, before we let you yeah, go. Just sort of general CFL uh, kicked off Week sure. Twelve last night uh didn't matter to Zach Charros the two pick sixes uh the only way that Montreal was going to score anything last night that's an impressive performance from uh, Winnipeg 47-17 over Montreal and really maintains their spot at the top of the west
3: yeah man 20 it was 20 to 17 going into halftime and they shut them out 27 nothing in that second half this team is that that well-oiled machine i don't think Zach Charros is Is missing a beat. Maybe he's a little, little shaky coming off that injury, shaking off some rust, uh, feeling a little bit. Had three picks in the in the first half, two going back, and the only two, like you said, two touchdowns that Montreal had all night. But right now, like Winnipeg does look primed. That that all leads road through all roads will lead through IG Field. But they still have that game at the end of the year with BC out in their in their stadium that that might be determined uh, who gets first place in the West. But right now, like, Winnipeg, that was a big game for them to, to set themselves up in the West Division, get a, you know, maybe Hamilton helps them out, you get a two-game lead, but that, that was really a, just a assertive of dominance for Winnipeg, and they, they have such a home field advantage. They, they're the biggest crowd of the year last night for a Thursday game. Uh, they're going into Day, and that's going to be an electric atmosphere as well, but and for Montreal, I think that was a, a game that, you know, they, they were coming off uh, that huge comeback against Ottawa, that they were feeling good, and I, obviously, Fajardo was going to be the guy when he was healthy, but maybe you know Caleb Evans maybe changes a little bit up last night. But I, I don't. Regardless of who was that quarterback, I think Winnipeg was going to was going to show up and play well. But that was a that was maybe a spot where Montreal could have showed up in the East. Like, hey, we're we're a contender here. But uh, again, it just seems like Toronto and everybody else out there.
0: And uh, last but certainly not least, you mentioned Labor Day coming up. There, if the Stamps don't win tonight, and all of a sudden Edmonton picks up a win against Ottawa on Sunday. How much in your mind is that ratchet up the pressure for the Labor Day game and the rematch against the uh, Elks these next two weeks?
3: I think uh, on the outside, like they'll tell you, like the players and coaches will tell you they're not, they're just preparing for whatever. They'll give you the cliche answers. But I think with the fan base and us in the media, like we've talked about it. Like this is Edmonds is playing some good ball at late. They could be, they could have got that win against Winnipeg. And, and they obviously have that home losing streak that they want to end. So, yeah, man. Like Calgary and Edmonton, they could, that could be a battle for fourth place right now in on Labor Day. And that key, and that you don't know then now, like where you thought, okay, those were the, the free spots on the bingo card for the stamps to write this ship. It's changed all of a sudden. Trey Ford has changed the dynamic of that group. Uh, Victor Queez out. It, it feels like a, it's a new group there in Edmonton. And obviously, they still have a long way to go. But It'll be huge, and, and I personally think Edmonton can get it done this weekend, uh, just the way they've been playing, and I think just that the pressure is, is just going to be too much, and I think Edmonton can pull that one out, and it, it will be huge for Calgary, and I know it's, it's you know, they're 10.5-point dogs heading to that, into Toronto tonight, so it, it'll be a tall task, but yeah, I think inside it'll be like, oh, these Elks are coming now, and we're right there with them, so we got to figure our things out here quicker. <laughs> we'll be out of this playoff picture before you
0: know it. Uh, before we let you go, um, Callaway Park, daycare, where do we find you on this uh, Friday? Oh, you're hearing children? I am hearing yeah. a lot of children. What is happening,
3: yeah. Duma? I'm sitting in a park uh, across from a daycare. There's a daycare across the street. I guess they just brought the kids Not over. Not making it home. any better. No. I mean, <laughs> I just wanted to...
0: sit in a lot
1: of parks across from daycares?
3: Uh, well, yeah. I mean, they have their own That's lot, great. and there's a, there's a park... I know it sounds
0: bad. I just want to it does. It does. It doesn't sound great. I'm not is gonna that, lie to you. Well,
3: uh, yeah, it sounds bad. They came here after me. Sure. So, yeah. Hey.
0: So yeah. That'll stand up in court.
3: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. You're right. Let's
0: get out of here. Uh, thanks, Duma. Appreciate the time. <laughs> pal. Have a good weekend. Enjoy <laughs> the game tonight. You too, guys. So, yeah, Patrick Duma is the producer of the big show with Russick and Rose every uh, Monday to Friday here on Sportsnet 960 in the mornings. And uh, also one of our Peters reporters on Sportsnet 9, 60 The Fan, at least until the police show up and uh, wonder about his whereabouts and what he's doing across from a daycare. I
4: think there goes the cops right now. Yeah, okay, they're on their way.
0: There's a few police officers that listen to this program. They're going to be coordinating everything right now.
2: Ears are all pricked up, like, what are
0: they talking about? He's where? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, 5.30 kickoff tonight, Stampeders 3-7, seven, Argos 7-1. Seven Saturday night, uh, we've got the Hamilton Tiger Cats in BC to take on the Lions. Uh, that's a big one for Calgary to watch, obviously, crossover possibilities. Hamilton, one of those teams to watch. BC going to try to maintain pace with Winnipeg, who picked up that massive win against Montreal last night. And then I mentioned it with Patty. What happens all of a sudden for this Calgary Stampeders team It's not out of the realm of possibility that Edmonton, who's looked a lot better the last couple weeks with Trey Ford at quarterback, beats Ottawa on Sunday, and then all of a sudden we talk about Monday, September 4th, the Labor Day Classic at McMahon Stadium with the Elks legitimately having a chance to catch up to the Stampeders. That is just disastrous for the Stampeders team. I, I still think, maybe idiotically, but I still think the Stampeders are a tier above the Edmonton Elks. But man, is the pressure going to be on for Jake Mayer and company if these Labor Day games and the rematch in Edmonton is the difference between, you know, the Elks somehow catching them in the uh West Division standings because look, this the Stampeders team's been consistently inconsistent offensively. They're facing a tough Toronto team. We know We chatted with our pal Corey Mace earlier this week on the program. You know the Argos are going to be ready for this one. They want to maintain their lead in the Eastern Division. And look, Corey says it doesn't doesn't mean anything, and I'm sure they're always going to downplay these matchups against Calgary, but I, I think it always means a little bit more facing off against former coaches, facing off against former teammates. And we've seen a couple of additions back to Calgary now. Shaq Richardson and Marth Keith Ambles, our Stampeders, who went to Toronto, had some success and are now back with Calgary, but there's still a contingent on both sides. Most recently, Falero and Remolade going to Toronto as one of the highest-paid defensive ends in the CFL. He's been tearing it up all season long and now doesn't have to go up against Bryce Bell on uh, tonight's game. It's going to be something to both sides, and I think for the Calgary Stampeders, try to maintain any sort of edge against Edmonton Uh, because you do not want to look in your rearview mirror and suddenly uh, see an Elks team that was at 1.0 and 9 suddenly in your rearview mirror because you've fallen off. We'll see what happens. Really looking forward to tonight's game. Should be a good one against Stampeders and the Toronto Argonauts 530 kickoff from BMO Field. Take a break. Come back on the other side. We will kick off hour two of the program. Pat Steinberg joins us next here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.